Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, I'm joined by a veteran of the Atlanta sports scene. He's been covering Atlanta sports for, well, a while now. Uh, he is now with The Athletic, where he continues to provide incredible coverage of the Atlanta Falcons. I'm speaking of the one and only Jeff Schultz. Jeff, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, David. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the craziness of the run-up to the 2021 NFL Draft. I know you have seen it firsthand. I've seen the people in your Twitter mentions, uh, and I <laughs> I can only imagine what that has done to your sanity over time. Uh, but before we dive into that and what's uh, going to kick off on Thursday night, April 29th, uh, with the 2021 NFL Draft, I, I want to start with sort of the latest rumor that's gaining the most steam uh, and that's the potential trade of Julio Jones. This has been coming up a lot. I have seen you talking a lot about this as well. I think uh, a lot of fans are having an adverse reaction uh, to this rumor in particular. Um, right. This is one that in many ways, Fontenot confirmed that at minimum, that they're going to consider everything. Uh, we do know that if they trade Julio, it has to be a post-June 1st designation or else the cap, they just can't afford to trade him, uh, uh, on the 2021 cap. But I want to get your thoughts first. What are your thoughts on this potential trade of, of Julio Jones, ar arguably a future Hall of Famer for the Atlanta Falcons? Well, I mean, David, we can wind it way back to the first time I wrote, you know, the Falcons have to prepare for moving on from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. And I think I actually wrote it even before this past season. Um, hmm. And, you know, even at that time, I thought the Julio Jones part of it was far more um, plausible in, in the near future than, than Matt was just simply because of the positions they play. Uh, and because I, I thought Ryan wanted to play, you know, a few more years, I wasn't sure how much longer Julio wanted to play. Um, the presumption was that the Falcons had were outside of their Super Bowl window, and um, you know the increasing likelihood that Julio was going to miss snaps, miss practice time, miss games. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't think really projected well for the future, particularly with the new coaching staff. So, you know, you know, it's actually kind of been amusing to a few of us how much the story has gained steam the last few days, or, <laughs> because. Honestly, there was nothing said by Terry Fontenot that was any, any different. Um, and there was nothing said, and Peter King's a good friend of mine, to get me wrong, but there was nothing said in the Peter King um, item, because uh, I think he was the first one to write it this week, uh, that was anything new. Um, I wrote something two, three weeks ago that basically said, here's why a trade mix, here's why a trade of Julio Jones makes sense. And 
Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith at their introductory press conferences, Terry in particular, both referenced um, salary cap issues and Mm -hmm. look at everything. And if you just look at the, forget, you know, Julio Jones, greatest wide receiver, you know, franchise history, future Hall of Famer, that is really not and should not be part of this argument. Right. The question is, what is it? What are they moving forward? And Julio right now is somewhat of a luxury item for a team that is likely headed for a rebuild. He doesn't really do a lot for them in terms of elevating them to contender. So why not get something for him while you can, plus the salary cap situation? Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can get a draft as- asset for him, you do it. Um, it's not even debatable. And there are going to be three or four or five teams, I think Tori mentioned it in her last story, who either believe that they are a Julio Jones acquisition away from contending for a championship or a team like the Chargers who, you know, Julio lives in L.A. in the offseason. Um, they have a big, strong-arm quarterback. I'm sure Julio would love to play with. Um, I, I think there's going to be some interest in a trade post-June. Um, and I think, honestly, I haven't spoken to Julio, but I, I, my sense is he would be open to a trade. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions, and that's, that's yeah. really interesting. Um, and I do feel like it needs to be pointed out because I think fans sometimes perceive players as being ageless. But Julio's 32, which yeah. for a wide receiver, um, you know, Calvin Johnson hung it up before he even hit 32, if I remember right. And uh, short of guys like, uh, you know, Terrell Owens and Jerry Rice, most wide receivers are lucky if they get into that 33, 34 range. So it feels like we're already sort of on borrowed time with, with Julio, as amazing as he is, as much of a physical specimen that he is. Um, NFL history is sort of brutal when it comes to this position in particular. And uh, to your point, if they can get some compensation, which I want to ask about uh, just in a second, um, especially when you are uh, into a new regime from top to bottom, this isn't just a new head coach. This, this is not the same situation with Thomas Dimitrov, you know, having some allegiance to these guys he's drafted. This is a Absolutely. brand new regime from the top. Um, and, and as much as we want to see these players retire with their teams, there's almost an adage in the NFL that if you play long enough, you're going to play on another team. Um, and Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, all Hall of Famers, and all did not finish with the team that drafted them. So it's not unreasonable. And I think maybe fans are sort of caught up in the emotion of losing a player in the same way that as a small child, I, I remember being upset by Dale Murphy uh, <laughs> being uh, you know traded from the, the Braves. But it's sort right. of the painful reality of this. Now, uh, as far as Julio is concerned, what kind of compensation do you think the Falcons could look for? Are we talking a day two pick? Uh, I know some fans are saying if, if it's anything other than the first, I'm not going to do it. But I, I, I don't think that's reasonable in, in any respects. But is day two a, a reasonable compensation for a receiver like this? I think so. I think a second, possibly a third round pick. Um but, I mean, that's going to depend on how many teams are involved, right? I mean, if it's just one team that really wants him, they'll just wait it out. And, and because they know they're the only team that really wants to sign him, like any trade situation. And they'll wait to either the Falcons take hardly anything or they'll wait till they cut him. Um, because they know the Falcons, or they might believe the Falcons will not want to carry 
Julio's full contract uh, with them this season. But um, if you get more than one team involved, then, then, you know, you can sort of obviously play one off the other. If you get three or four involved, all the better. And so I'm inclined to think a second or third round pick. Yeah. First rounders off the table. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's doable. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't know, let's say, I think it's possible a team like the Patriots is more funny. We talked about, you know, we're talking about <laughs> potentially moving up with the Falcons, but a team like the Patriots potentially could, would want Julio Jones. Um, um, and, but again, you kind of have to wait to see how everything shake loose. And obviously we're talking a 2022 pick, not a 2021 pick. Cause it would be certainly deep. It would be post June. Um, but I think it's really, honestly, yeah, I think I wrote this in the column. I don't know if my column is up yet. I think it is, but, um, I think it's more likely than not right now that Julio's that Julio has played his last game with the team. I mean, I, I think it's more than 50, 50 that he won't be back. I just, um, because again, in addition to everything else we talked about, you know, salary cap and age and, you know, how far can this team go with him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think you also have to look at the fact that Arthur Smith is bringing in a new scheme, a new culture, mm-hmm. a new philosophy. Um, they're going to have a ton of rookies and street free agents all over the place. It's part of the, it's part of what I, the column and, part of what he said today. And I just don't know, this is not an anti Julio statement, what I'm about to say, but I don't know that you want a Julio Jones type player around for that. I mean, only because as, as great as he has been and as much as I guess you could say he could provide quiet leadership and mentorship, you know, if you're Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot and you're starting over, um, you almost want guys who are grinding it play after play, who are take who are going through all the snaps and training camp and practices, um, and and who aren't you know and again I'm not saying this as a criticism but Julio pulls himself out of games to to keep himself fresh that's the story and anyway, we've all, we've all been told right. and um, you know I don't know if you're the in the Falcons rebuild mode if that's the kind of player you really want to carry on the roster, um, but we'll see obviously we'll find out we'll find out sometime after the draft and before training camp. I, the other thing I find interesting is in the Falcons have actually had pretty good luck uh, in moving from one receiver to the next. You know, we went from Roddy White to a Julio Jones, uh, which some people would even say was uh, an upgrade. Uh, but we've got Calvin Ridley as well, who showed sure. last year at you know thousand yard season, um, incredibly capable receiver. So it's not like losing Julio means you're suddenly uh, completely lost at the receiver position. In fact, you know, Russell Gage took a step forward as well, showed that he could uh, continue to be uh, a piece on the offense. Uh, maybe not necessarily a second you know, wide receiver, but certainly a guy that could contribute meaningfully. I, I feel like Ridley gets lost in this conversation as well. We just talk about Julio as if he's in a vacuum. But in many ways, the Falcons have already prepared in some ways for a life post-Julio. They, they've got that next wide receiver one waiting in the wings do you feel like that is going to make the decision a little bit easier for Fontenot and Smith as they look at a Calvin Ridley who is still just 26 years old, uh, who's ready to sort of take on that mantle now? Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, they, the Falcons, as we're taping this, have not declared yet that they're going to pick up his fifth-year option, but obviously they're going to. Um, in a very bad situation last year, Calvin Ridley proved himself to be a number one receiver. 
And by the way, part of that is, is on Julio Jones, who's done a great job mentoring him. Um, and, but that makes that decision potentially to move on from Julio that much easier. It is not that difficult to get a two and three wide receiver in the NFL, particularly. Right. And, um, and then on top of all that, um, you have Arthur Smith's offense, which is, you know, generally power running, um, you know, two tight end sets a lot, um, spreading the ball around a lot. I just don't think again, not that Julio Jones makes you a lesser team, <laughs> better team, but you know, in with, with where the franchise is right now and with the scheme that's coming in. And again, to your point with the, with where, what Calvin really proved in 2020 um, this to me would be the ideal time to move on from him. And for those who, cause I've, I know some people on Twitter or whatever have said, well, you know, he missed all these games last year. His, his values down, you're not going to get, why not let him play one year in Arthur Smith's offense? He can sort of um, redeem himself to some degree or, or raise his marketability or his value. And the Falcons can get a higher pick next year. Well, I mean, that is really drawing a lot of assumptions there. I mean, right. you're, you're, yes. you're assuming first year success under, under um, Arthur Smith, who's, who's got to make a lot of changes. Your Julio is going to stay healthy. And you're assuming that, that he's going to have a good year. And you're assuming that other teams aren't going to suddenly say, well, wait a minute. Julio Jones is one year older than he was last year. He has another year of wear and tear on him than he did have a year ago, and he, and he was worn down a year ago. So, yeah, I think if you trade him, you trade him now. Yeah, 100% agree. I mentioned Calvin Johnson earlier, and I remember just watching him towards the end of his career with the Lions, and it seemed like you know he stayed mostly healthy, uh, but at the very end, those injuries just started piling up. And I think for the receivers like that, that are just physical specimens where they literally are the fastest guys in the league, they're the biggest guys in the league, there is only so much that their bodies can take, that they really subject themselves to a lot in this league. And in some ways, I have that concern with Julio, where we're starting to see these injuries that just won't go away in the same way that you know it started piling up for Calvin Johnson. So um, in some ways, I feel like this is a situation where like you said, if you keep him for another year, I, I don't see how his draft value or his trade value goes uh, doesn't go down. Um, he'll be 33 uh, going into the next season. And that just uh, only more wear and tear, as you said. So, This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com.
but I want to put the Julio Jones stuff aside because obviously the big talk is going to be the NFL draft, which I know you've only covered just briefly um, <laughs> over the past <laughs> couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and obviously with a pick in the top five for the first time since 2008, everyone is talking about the Falcons. I still feel like, and, and Tori said this a couple of weeks ago, I think she was dead on that really a lot is going to depend on what the 49ers do at number three. Cause I think there's still some question marks about who they're taking. Um, let me get your take because right now it is, we are hearing reports from everybody. It 100% is going to be Kyle Pitts. It's a hundred percent going to be a quarterback. It's a hundred percent going to be a trade down. Um, it's a hundred percent going to be a, a blindside move in the same way that uh, we've been hit in the past with a drafting like Calvin Ridley. Uh, what do you think? What is your feeling for where the Falcons are leaning? Do you still think it really is up in the air? Do you agree that uh, what the 49ers do could actually tilt the decision one direction or the other? You know, when you were going through that, I was doing the math in my head. That's 400%. <laughs> well, that is, that's what we call NFL draft week math. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think it, I mean, whatever they do is certainly dependent on what the 49ers do third from, from the standpoint that even beyond who they pick or would consider picking it for, mm-hmm. it, it's going to impact other teams who potentially will want that pick as a trade. So, I mean, hypothetically, let's say there's a team out there, all oh, the Patriots, who wants to trade with the Falcons for the fourth pick because the 49ers have taken Mac Jones and Julio and um, Justin Fields is on the board. Okay, well, what happens now if, and that contingency trade is in place, but the 49ers draft um, Justin Fields? Well, mm-hmm. that trade isn't going to take place. So there's no question that, in my mind anyway, almost 100%, that <laughs> Falcons do something. If the Falcons trade, I don't think it's going to happen until they're on the clock. The only exception to that will be is if they are just so blown away by what they're offered, they don't really care. Um, and to this point, as I reported this morning, they have not been blown away by any trade offer. Right. They have conversations and they still might make a trade, but there's been nothing there that has um, equated to what they perceive as the value of the fourth overall pick. Um, in terms of what the, four, the 49ers are going to do, um, a team I used to cover years ago actually, um, I have spoken to a number of ex-GMs and GMs or people who follow drafts, and I have not spoken to one person who did not say they're taking Mac Jones. And so wow, I believe they're taking Mac Jones. Now, it doesn't make sense to me um, because it, it makes sense only from the standpoint that it's kind of a very Kyle Shanahan sort of thing. <laughs> and I, and I, I say that kind of lovingly of Kyle, but he's – He's got a he's got a very large ego, and and Kyle is like a lot of offensive coordinators, but particularly Kyle, he's very much okay. I need my receiver to do this. I need this receiver to do this. I need this tight end to do this exactly thing. I need the right tackle and the left guard to do these things, and I need my quarterback to do this. It's a very specific in his scheme and in his mind. He needs each player to do a very specific thing on very on depending on what the play is. And you can make a case that the best built quarterback for him in his offense is Mac Jones because he can make throws. 
He's a smart guy. He's a coach on the field and he will do exactly what Kyle tells him to do. And obviously he's won big games. So I totally get that from Kyle Shanahan's and the 40 armor standpoint. What I don't get and nobody gets as far as I can tell, I mean, no one person has expressed it to me is that you didn't have to go to third to get it, to get him. <laughs> obviously. Right. And, and I wrote, as you might recall, I wrote two months ago, um, it was in early March, I believe, that the Falcons would benefit from trading down, uh, accumulating picks, and drafting somewhere in the mid to late first round, Matt Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, I just, you go back, it's like March 3rd or March 2nd, whenever I wrote it. And it, it, it's because everybody was telling me, and the people I spoke to, one of them was Scott Pioli, actually. I, everybody's expectation was this is a really good quarterback who you can grow with. He's smart. He's being um, undervalued in many ways because he was surrounded by so many great players, whereas everybody thought he was overrated. A lot of people in the NFL think he's underrated um, because, you know, as the point was made to me, I think Scott made the point to me. It's like, wait a minute, Trevor Lawrence was surrounded by great players. Um, Right. Justin Fields is surrounded by great players. How come nobody is saying, how come you're only saying that about Mac Jones? And so it kind of made sense to me. Um, athletically, obviously he's not at the level of any of the other four guys, but that doesn't necessarily make him the lesser quarterback. And so the thinking was the Falcons pick up extra picks. You get Mac Jones, boom, you're done. And it made a lot of sense. And then it was like two, three weeks later, it's like, wait, the 49ers are trading up the third to get Mac Jones. You know? <laughs> now there's a theory out there, by the way, and I think Jeff Howard, the athletic wrote this, that when they traded up, they actually thought Zach Wilson might be available at third. And that Justin Fields at that time, because there was talk for a while, Justin Fields was going to go second to the Jets. Hmm. And, and so, you know, then it switched to Mac Jones. And now in these recent days, it's it's Trey Lance closing the gap. But I still think they're going Mac Jones, unless it's a hell of a smoke screen, which is possible. <laughs> now, now comes the Falcons pick. So now your next question is, okay, if they don't trade, I mean, what is it? what are the options? I think they'll trade if – they get a nice package or they don't have to go. If they go past 10, they're going to need to really be sold on a lot of picks. Right. Because if you get past eight or 10, whatever it is, now you're drafting what the third best cornerback or something. You'll get a good player. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like a immediate impact game changing player. Um, mm-hmm. They don't care. I don't know. Um, but um so they're going to have to be really be sold on if they go deep into the round. If it's, let's say, New England, which is 15th. Um, if they don't trade, I'm not making this up. And I, I, I just told this to somebody else, too. I have heard completely contrary things within an hour of each other from people I trust. <laughs> and, and, and it's not like I don't believe either one of those people are being dishonest with me. Mm-hmm. The question is whether the information they're getting, people are being dishonest with them. Okay. So I have gone from absolutely they're taking Justin Fields to they really like Kyle Pitts to they think Trey Lance is better than Justin Fields. And one of oh the I. and the last things I heard was um that basically it was between Pitts and Trey Lance and Justin Fields might be out of the, might be out of the picture. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm serious. And I'm not saying 
as a declaration or finality or that it's accurate. I'm just telling you that's one of the things out there right now. Yeah. That, that they really like, I mean, you know, Justin Fields might be better today, but long-term, I think everybody in the NFL thinks Trey Lance is just this athletic freak. And, but he's obviously the risk is he played one game last year and he played in FCS. And so right. um, that's the question with him, whereas Justin Fields has obviously played big games. Um, Kyle Pitts, absolutely. He checks so many boxes. Everybody thinks he's going to be a great player. Um, he'd be immediate impact short-term and long-term for the Falcons and obviously fits Arthur Smith's offense perfectly. There's no question about that whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And it somewhat minimizes the, the fan shock of potentially trading Julio Jones. But I think that aspect of it has really been overstated. Um, Now, if they draft Kyle Pitts and they trade Julio Jones, I'm sure you're going to hear that in a soundbite here and there. Sure. I I really believe they are two completely separate issues and decisions. Um, I think if they draft Kyle Pitts, it's it's because they think he's absolutely the, the top player on the board, and it's because they're not oversold by any of the quarterbacks available to them. Um, and, and they and maybe they still think they can draft a quarterback in the second or third round or something like that who is a potential project who could take over in let's say three years. You know that Matt right. will three years and that'll be it. I mean that's but. Um, that's really hard to know right now because, you know, all the conversation has been about five quarterbacks and, and, you know, they're going to, I, I will say this, here's my one prediction. I will be flat out stunned if they don't draft a quarterback period. Right. Um, they have one I, on the roster, right? They have one on the roster. So now you're talking, okay, are they going to sign tune free agency? I mean, I don't, I mean, are they going to trade for one? I, I can't believe they would trade for one because that means inheriting their sap, the guy's salary and there's nobody there's no quarterback who's halfway decent who doesn't have, who doesn't make more money than they're going to want to spend so that doesn't really make sense um I, so i i yeah i i would 400 percent they're going to draft a quarterback <laughs> nah, what's uh, i don't i yeah i don't i don't it's yeah so i again my my the way I was leaning coming into these last couple of days before the draft was they're going to stick at four and they're going to take a quarterback. And, and as we are sitting here right now, 24 hours before, honestly, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I just, but if I had to guess which way I'm leaning, I think they're completely open to trading the pick. Um, hmm. And I, and I think it's just a matter of waiting for the right offer really. And if it doesn't happen, then we'll see. This is, uh, let me get your opinion on this because we obviously cover the draft every single year. I've been watching it keenly for two decades um, at least. And it feels like to me this year has a different aura to it. We obviously the, 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 the multiple trades that happened that repositioned Miami, the, the Eagles, the 49ers obviously had a lot to do with that. But this may be the first draft where, for the first time in NFL history, you have four straight quarterbacks come off the board, um, depending on what Atlanta does. Do you feel like there's a different atmosphere to this draft, or is it more of the same? Are we are we just repeating the same cycle we get into year over year? No, I think quarter. I think the quarterback issue, and that there's been so much discussion, not just about the first three or four picks, but five quarterbacks. And by the way, disagreement. I mean, other than Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think there's disagreement who's the second, third, fourth, and fifth best quarterback. 
Um, I think anytime you get quarterbacks involved in a draft, it's going to elevate the, the interest and the intrigue um, because he's the only player on the field who touches the ball in every single offensive snap other than the center. Um, and, and, and he is a cornerstone of the franchise. So when you have all of those, and by the way, here's the other part of it. I, you have a lot more situations now um, where it used to just be the Browns and the Jets. Uh, you have a lot <laughs> of situations now from teams who are willing to move on from quarterbacks a lot sooner. Um, part of, and part of that stems from, frankly, the, the rookie wage scale. So, you know, for a long time, you had rookies making an obscene amount of money who had never um, played a snap in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. Then the NFLPA you know, said we need to, sh- certainly the veterans said we need to shift this around a little bit. <laughs> so now you, and now you have a rookie um, salary pool or cap. Um, so you, you aren't paying an obscene amount of money to, you know, somebody like Ryan Leaf, who proves to be a bust early. Um, and I say that in deference to obviously Ryan's other issues, but, um, or former issues, I should say. Um, but, you know, I think the fact that you have so many teams now that are willing to move on from quarterbacks quicker are still looking for that franchise-saving, game-changing kind of player. Um, and the fact that you have five quarterbacks who are going to go early, potentially in the first eight to ten picks, I mean, hell, we, well, I probably won't go one through five unless there's a trade. But um, I think that really is kind of what has elevated this. And social media. <laughs> yeah, I, I should, I should, I should, everything I say, I should say, and, and social media. And social media. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing builds up a firestorm quite like uh, a couple of mistimed tweets. <laughs> yes. Oh, my word. So uh, I do want to respect your time. And again, I really appreciate you jumping on with me. Um, we've talked about the first round. We've talked about the number four pick. And in uh, certainly between now and tomorrow evening, we are going to hear even more. It's, it's just a certainty. But there are six other rounds in this draft that sort of are lost in the shuffle of all the talk. <laughs> yes. um, and as you think about where this Falcons roster is at uh, and what Fontenot and Smith have been talking about, day two, as we get into day two and day three, right. um, Fontenot has said he wants to go best player available uh, but we know that this team has a lot of needs. You know, they've got on the offensive side could clearly use more depth at running back. Um, the the interior offensive line probably still needs additional help. Uh, and then on defense, I think you could make a case that nearly every position uh, could add some depth at, at minimum. What do you think the Falcons are leaning towards? Do you think they're going to try to build on the strength of the offense? Maybe continue to shore up the offensive line, go running back. Uh, do you feel like this is the class where they start to build up the future defense? Or do you think that they're going to truly take that best player available uh, philosophy going into the day two and day three? Well, I think you sort of answered your own question because I don't know how many positions you listed. Um, but I mean, there, we can go down the list of, you know, safety, cornerback, edge rusher, wide receiver, running back, left guard, slash tackle, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, running back. I meant to mention running back. Maybe I mentioned running back. Uh, and quarterback. I mean, there aren't, what else do we, we didn't mention linebacker, I guess. Uh, but so you could go best athlete available, best player available in every single round and probably fill a need. 
<laughs> it's not like, oh my God, they have so many edge rushers. They can't draft an edge rusher. You know? Oh man. I mean, I mean, seriously, what is the, you want to know, honestly, what I believe is their deepest, strongest position on the team unit on the team right now, offensive line. I mean, tell me if you think I'm wrong, but what do they have better than that? I mean, running back, maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and I'm not saying that they're not going to draft an offensive line, offensive lineman, because they very well might. But to me, some of the criticism of the unit is a little overstated from this standpoint. Um, I think they drafted a lot there. They've got three draft picks and Jake Matthews there. And, and my personal belief, and, and, but I think it's shared by some other people, um, is that that unit has been horribly coached in right. the last couple of years. And I think we agree. <laughs> I know many people agree with this. The play calling has been unbelievably predictable and non-creative. It's a couple of years. And an offense with those two things, an offensive line could look really bad, really quickly, really significantly. Mm-hmm. I believe with better coaching, which I think they'll have, and certainly better play calling, which I know they'll have, the offensive line is going to be significantly better um, in 2021, even if they didn't add a player. Now, I think they will add a player, um, whether that's a street free agent or somewhere in this draft. I think they'll add a player. But when you look at it and say, okay, well, they need a left guard. Okay, that's not – I mean, we're assuming everything's going to go okay at center too, so I shouldn't just say that. But but I, as I look at this roster, to me – Offensive line is the least desperate position they have. Now, they may trade down a couple spots, or who knows? Maybe they draft Panay Sewell, which would be fine. I mean, it would make them better. Um, it's not like it's not a need. But as you look at needs, I mean, it's safety and cornerback and edge. They're all on the defensive side of the ball. Right. And so while we're talking, this the other thing unique about this draft goes back to your previous question is the first eight to 10 players in this draft might all be on offense. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the first defensive player might be who Patrick Sertain maybe, and and he's all over the board in terms of where he might go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think the majority, I think the Falcons have nine picks right now, pending trades. I mean, the majority of their picks, I'm going to guess are going to be on defense and they're all going to get chances to play and maybe to start. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I mean, when you look, look, I mean, look at the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. It's safety and what they have one cornerback really that we know is going to start. And, and, um, and, and there's the, the edge rusher edge situation is a question because of, you know, Tech McKinley's mistake and Vic Beasley, whatever Vic Beasley was. <laughs> and, 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 you know, frankly, they were ready to move on from Dante, Dante Fowler too. I can absolutely tell you that if he did not take the pay cut, he was gone. And so, um, and, and by the way, here's another thing I, I included this in the column and I think I wrote it before too. If they didn't restructure, if, if they didn't restructure Matt Ryan, um, which was done out of sheer desperation because they had to get money to sign players. Right. They might have had to cut Deion Jones. That's yeah. how bad it is. And so um, they need players. They need young, cheap, aggressive players on the defensive side of the ball. So they've already signed a couple, I believe, in free agency, inexpensive ones. I think that's going to continue after the draft. 
I think they're going to bring in a bunch of players after the draft. And I think I'm going to guess at least six, I'm going to guess six of their nine players are going to be on defense. Um, wow. That's just, I mean, I just, unless, but again, it'll go by best player available because they, they got nothing to lose because they need everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, I love to point this out because uh, as you mentioned with the offensive line and Arthur Smith, uh, first of all, Arthur Smith played on offensive line when he did play, which I feel is an underrated aspect of him as a coach. Uh, and I am actually really excited about that uh, fact about him, but he also had Ty Sombreo at left tackle for a part of the season with the Titans and still manage to make that offense work. And uh, obviously Falcons fans remember, um, I think he was given the, the nickname turnstile tie when he was here in Atlanta. Uh, so if he can make uh, Ty Sombrero work, I, I feel like that's a, a pretty good reflection on what he could do with this offensive line. And, and I'm eager to see what he does with guys like Jake Matthews, who I think uh, are not appreciated enough by the fan base for how, uh, how good they actually are as players. Um, Jeff, I know we, we said 30 minutes. I honestly feel like I could keep talking to you. Uh, your knowledge on this is fantastic. Uh, and just love hearing from you on, on all of these topics, but uh I want you to let our listeners know where they can find you and what you've got going on. Well, I'll probably write another draft, one or two draft stories this week. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just uh, go to theathletic.com um, or you could probably just search my name and The Athletic. And um, if, you, if, you, if you're a subscriber, bless you. If you're not a subscriber, I will bless you anyway, but I'll bless you more. <laughs> Uh, if you just click any link, uh, you will get it. I don't know what sale we have on now. We had, I think we had another $1 sale this draft week. I'm not sure, but I know it's ridiculously cheap. It's like, we used to joke. It's like less than a cost of one latte per month to subscribe. Right. Yeah. I mean, you get like, I think we have 500 riders. And the cool thing about the athletic to me is that, um, and I can say this as an old newspaper guy. It's like getting 80 newspapers or 80 sports sections delivered to your doorstep every morning mm-hmm. because you can literally lead a bit, read about any single team, particularly in the NFL. We have staff writers on every single team, so you can keep up on any team. You can keep up on your alma mater in college. You can, you know, We have some of the best national writers in business. So, um, so yeah, just go to The Athletic, find me, and uh, I will be forever thankful. And um, if you buy two subscriptions, I'll come over and mow your lawn. <laughs> I've got three quarters of an acre. Hope you're ready uh, for that one, Jeff. Um, as for me, guys, you can find me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Jeff Schultz, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk to you next time.